Hey, I'm Michelle. And I'm Christy. And we're new moms in old bodies. If you're a new mom in your 30s or 40s, great news. You're trending. But the advice out there is so 2012. And we quickly learned that what works for those young 20-something moms and what works for us is completely different. I mean, think about how much you have changed in the last 15 or 20 years. Our minds, bodies, and spirits are so different. The advice that's focused on younger moms just doesn't quite fit what's happening with us. So we're here to talk about that. All of that. So if you're using eye cream with your diaper cream, then you're in the right place. Click subscribe to join the Old Moms Club podcast and come along this journey with us as we figure out what the heck we're doing as new moms in old bodies. Hey, old moms, this is Michelle and Christy here, and we are back for a new episode. Today, we are covering, honestly, something that's been driving us a little bit crazy. And so we're calling it our motherhood myths episode. So before we get into all of it, Christy, how was your week? My week was really good. Um, We had Eden's nine-month checkup this week, so she's still short and round. (laughs) (laughs) Which is fun. Um, her dad and I are both really tall people. Um, and she's not. She's in the 50th percentile for her weight and the 25th percentile for her height. So last time we went, she had gained two pounds around, but no inches <laughs> tall. So, so that's where we are. Um, I saw a lady earlier this week when we were looking at houses. I saw another lady that was just out and about. And she said, honey, that baby is what we call juicy. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? At least the curves are on trend right now. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's the cutest little thing I've ever seen. I love it. But it is, it's funny that like, she's the short one in the family. Yeah. You know what? I can relate. I'm the short one in my family too. (laughs) Everyone else, the men are all insanely tall. I have a, a cousin who's almost seven feet tall. I'm five foot three, Matt's <laughs> six four. And, you know, like I've mentioned before, Matt already jokes about how Ava is half my height already at 12 months old. So I think she'll be passing me up pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that was part of it because everything was good um you know and she was born early so I'm always nervous to go um because I feel like something's whoo my camera's falling I feel like something is behind on her all the time but it was a really good checkup this time so that was great and then Michelle and I also got to chat with the people from Voyage podcast this past week um which was super exciting we don't know a lot of the details about when it'll come out but it was a really fun show And I feel like we had some really good information. Oh, definitely. And it made me really think about how we should do like a babies in business type podcast. It was a lot of business and babies. Yes. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, the conversation with Voyage Magazine kind of ended up going toward our entrepreneurial journeys. And honestly, it was just really fun. We had some really good nuggets in there, if I may so say so myself. <laughs> he surprised even us. <laughs> yeah. And you got a mom cut now. I do. Got my mom do. Um, I went in and got six inches cut off. I posted a video of her just going straight across. I was so nervous, but it's so much better. Yeah. Um, but all myths. So if you look at the comments, it's kind of funny because they're all negative. They're all like, you have beautiful hair, but you should have donated to Locks of Love or this beautiful cut, but you didn't have to cut that much off because you just needed this and this. And it's like, how do you know what I did with my hair? First of all, yeah. <laughs> I didn't want it cut because I did and I like it. <laughs> oh gosh. See, and that is the bone that we have to pick right now <laughs> with this whole mom culture. I don't know. It's such a new um, thing for for both of us as new moms to kind of see, it's weird how there's so much negativity around certain things. It's really bizarre. So we wanted to kind of dig into that. <laughs> so I, too, not just negativity, but um, fear. Yes. It seems like all of the ads, we talk about this all the time, all the ads are fear-based. Like yes. this or something bad is going to happen to your baby. Um, yes. You need this or something bad is going to happen. And that kind of, I feel like that kind of goes with our first topic, which is we're going to just call it the just wait culture, um, because we all know what that means. You have that person in your life that says, oh, just wait until blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And it's never positive either. Like, so, I mean, since we're just getting right into it, <laughs> I remember the whole time I was pregnant. It was like, oh, the minute that you're like, oh, you complain about an ache or a pain you have, or the fact that you haven't slept um, in however long. And everyone's like, oh, just you wait until the baby's here. You know, I don't know. That used to drive me crazy. Yes. And it's, it's everything. Yeah. It's being on time places. It's running out of hot water. You can be somewhere completely, completely random event could happen. You know, I mean, you could be watching a meteor shower and there's somebody going to say, just you wait until you have a baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I actually saw an influencer complaining about this and someone responded in her DMs with such a cool spin on it. And so I'm going to read it. She didn't post who the person was. She took their name out of it. So I can't give them credit. I wish I could. Um, <clears throat> but she replied back to them when, when she was complaining about um, how people were doing that whole just you wait thing in her DMs. This person responds to her and says, just you wait should sound a little like this. Just wait until you hear him say mama for the first time. Just you wait until he takes his first steps. Just you wait until he hits his first emotionally mature milestone. Just you wait until he graduates. Just you wait until he 
finds his career goals. Just you wait until he finds love. Just you wait until you see the mark he makes on this world. Those are really the only just you waits that really matter. And I screenshot that and saved it in my phone because I thought that was such a beautiful take on it. And truly, like I can say, you know, for me, my week was awesome. And it's because I feel like the older Ava gets, the cooler motherhood is becoming and she's becoming her own person and finding her own personality. And she's like walking amazing this week. And it has become so much fun in the exact opposite of all of those fears that everyone tried to plant into me, you know? So, so that is how we are (laughs) bucking this whole just you wait culture. (laughs) Yeah. And same. I saw someone on Facebook also that she was pregnant and on her maternity photos, you know, somebody had said something negative. Um, And I don't know, like, are they trying to sound like smarter than the rest of us or trying to connect with you in some way? So I made it a point because I also saw the post that Michelle was referring to. And I said, you know, just you wait until you have that baby. And like none of these things that these negative people are saying to you are even going to matter at all. Because we talked about, actually, it was on the Voyage podcast, we talked about trimming the fat. And like, you just don't have time for it. Like, if they're going to be negative, or they're not going to have your best interest or your child's best interest, you just don't have time for it anymore. You really, really don't. Yeah. And that is such a beautiful thing, honestly. (laughs) You know, simplifying my life and kind of making my small circle into a dot has actually allowed me to focus on some of the most beautiful parts of my life that I really genuinely love. And I'm able to be more present with Ava, but also I feel like I'm so much more productive in business. And it's just, I have so many other cool things going on because I have had to trim the fat and get rid of the things that were just kind of taking up time but not necessarily needle moving activities. Right. So yeah, it's actually Let me ask you this. Have you had any just weights, like negative things that were said to you that have actually came true? No, no, not that I can think of. I haven't one single time. Somebody yeah. bad to me that actually happened. Now that I think about it, I don't think I have. Because a lot of it is around like, um, uh, frankly, uh, this is another thing that kind of drives me insane. And I've screenshot this and sent it to you so many times about how so many people talk about breastfeeding, like, oh, breastfeeding is hard. Breastfeeding is terrible. Breastfeeding is painful. I, yes, there are moments of that where it's like, wow, this is kind of, there's a learning curve for sure, but there's a learning curve with everything when you're a new mom. Like, so for me, breastfeeding has actually been like 
the beautiful gift that I didn't even know that I was going to have. Cause I wasn't even necessarily planning on breastfeeding as much or as long as I have. Um, I really wanted to do combo feeding because I felt like that was going to be a lot more flexible <laughs> and it would be, but Ava had other plans. <laughs> so, um, we have been exclusively breastfeeding and honestly, it has been like the sweetest thing. And I think sometimes God knows exactly what you need, even if you don't. So for me, I tend to be a, um, a very, like, what is the most effective way that I can get 50 million things done all at once <laughs> kind of person. And I think God knew that I would need breastfeeding to be able to slow down and be present with Ava because sometimes like everything is so busy. And even though I'm with her all day, um, I am trying to start up other businesses and I am, you know, doing a lot of other things and just chasing her around is a lot, but you also don't necessarily have like those quiet moments. Um, but with breastfeeding, it is so beautiful. And I remember, um, while I was pregnant, I saw one person, one that talked about how beautiful the experience had been for her. And I remember like in that moment being like, wow, I've never heard that before. And part of the reason that I was planning to not breastfeed is simply because of all the negativity that I heard around it. I was like, oh God, that sounds terrible. Right. But so who would ever want to do that? And I, I told myself, I was like, I'm going to power through for six weeks and then I am done. And here I am a year later and still doing it. And honestly, it has been amazing. And it's actually a lot more convenient than I expected. And right now with a formula shortage, that part of it is a blessing. Um, yeah. So, so a lot of the negativity that you hear is probably not going to happen to you. <laughs> it's probably not, but I think it's also important to point out a lot of the negativity is perception. Yes. And you mm, can, you control that, mm -hmm. you know, um, today we had Eden's nine month appointment. I was super excited because it was good news all the way around. So that's how I chose to tell the story. I mean, she's gained two inches longer, you know, we're, we're working on those little legs, but also see someone telling the flip side of that story. I mean, did she scream the entire time we were in there? Yes. Did she like physically assault the doctor? Yes. You know, I mean, she was like screaming and fighting and kicking the whole time we were in there, but in the end it was good news. So it kind of, it's up to you to decide how you view those moments but then not only like how you internalize them, but how you share them with other people. Mm. That's important um, for our next, I know we were going to talk about the hot mom, the hot mess mom culture. And yes. I think that's but too, that's such a, it's a perception issue. And I think that's a thing. Like when we started this podcast, we're okay. We're going to entertain we're going to educate, we're going to inform, we're going to talk about all of the things that nobody talks about in a fun way, but it's also not going to be negative because that's just not who we are. That is not what we choose to put out in the world. Um, you know, 
Michelle has said before, you're the CEO of your family and it's up to you to create the culture in your house. And it's kind of up to you the way the world is now just to create the culture that's around you, Mm. you know, choose to be positive. Right. Right. Yeah. That hot mess mom culture, honestly, it gets to me because we all have our moments where we feel like a hot mess and days where we look like it. Like, honestly, I'm wearing a baseball hat right now because I have all this postpartum hair loss um, that's happening at the base of my (laughs) hair down here. And it's just like wild, but whatever. So you throw a cute baseball hat on and some athleisure. Thank God that's on trend right now. Right. Right. Like you can still, even if you feel a little hot messy, um, you don't have to like put that out in the world, the way that you present yourself. I think, especially having a daughter, um, I'm very conscious of how I want her to see me and how I treat my own self. So I'm not going to talk about myself. Like I'm a hot mess, even if I might feel that way a little bit. (laughs) So I think that's super important. And I think it is, I've wondered that, is it more so because I have a daughter, um, than a son, but it is like you get up and you take care of yourself because you know, a, that's teaching them to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. That's, them, you think enough of yourself to do it for yourself. Um, and it's just such a learning thing that you don't even realize they're all taking in right now. Yeah. And that's not to say that I don't regularly go until 6 PM without brushing my teeth. Oh, it happens on a very regular basis because some days you, as new moms, we put ourselves last, right? But I have had to really focus on being intentional, especially the last few months where I'm like, I really have got to make sure that I'm putting a tiny bit more effort into myself, even if that just means putting on a cute baseball hat over my, you know, five day old dirty hair, you know, I still feel better about myself because I have at least brushed it, you know? (laughs) No, I think that's good. And it's also part of that routine, which is so important for them at this age. You know, I Eden knows that she knows when we get up in the morning, my mom puts me in the high chair and then she goes to brush her teeth and she just, you know, where's she going? What's she doing? And she waits. And then, you know, we come back, she knows the order that things happen. So I personally think it's awesome that she knows, oh, my mom's going to go take care of herself for a minute, Mm, you know, take care of me. Yeah. So I went to lunch with one of my girlfriends while I was pregnant and she helps a lot of like CEO mothers, um, in like their work-life balance and things like that. Her name is Toy. And I remember I told her that my biggest fear in having a baby was that I would lose myself, right? And she looked at me and she's like, of course, you're going to lose yourself, but not in the way that you think. She's like, you are going to lose yourself in motherhood because it's so beautiful. Like you can't help but just 
completely fall in love with the experience and with your baby and everything else. And that simple little shift of looking at it in that way, like I'm not losing myself. You're almost like rediscovering a new part of you. And so, yeah, I just thought that was such a cool thing and such a, it really just eliminated all of those fears that I had about quote unquote, losing myself when I became a new mom. Yeah. It's gross. It's not taking away. Yeah. You know? But again, that's perception. Um, we have talked before about, you know, we don't necessarily get up and go to brunch and, you know, shopping all day with your girlfriends and like all the things that you want to do. But honestly, it's just, it's being so busy and so tired and momming. I don't want to do those things. Like <laughs> Eden goes yeah. to bed at three and I will tell you, that's like my happy time. I mean, oh, yeah. that bath time, bedtime, because there's this little glimmer of hope, like, am I get to go to bed too? <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. That's so true. And actually, while we're on that topic, you know, another one of my big fears, because I am someone who I cannot function if I don't get good sleep and we don't, we never sleep trained Ava. I thought that you had to sleep train because that's the only information that you hear out there and you don't have to like with Ava, um, we just. I mean, I call it on demand only because it sounds, makes it sound intentional, <laughs> but honestly, we just kind of, when she's tired, she goes to sleep when she's wakes up, she's up, you know, and it just kind of naturally happens. Right. So she's transitioned herself into one nap a day and she's at about 12, she's at 12 months now. And all of the sleep training programs say that um, it's typically about 18 months when they start um, uh, focusing their attention on only doing one nap. Um, but I'm like, every kid is different. Every baby is different. Every home is different. In some homes, you might really thrive on a schedule, like a specific sleeping schedule. In our home, we don't. <laughs> and so we have kind of a loose schedule, but I'll tell you that Ava is an incredible sleeper at night. She's not a great napper during the day. She sometimes will only nap for 38 minutes is like one sleep cycle for her. Sometimes she'll do it twice. Um, but really she sleeps incredible at night. I sleep incredible at night, have the whole time since I've had her. Um, but we also co-sleep. So she sleeps in bed with us. And I mean, honestly, it was one of those things that I always said, I am never going to let my baby sleep in bed with me. And here we are doing all of those things. <laughs> right. Yes. I was actually, it was my, um, hair girl. We were talking about sleeping because well, she recently had a situation. She has a boy who is four now and she took him, he started Montessori school and Montessori school, they tell her, oh, well, he should be doing this and this and this and this and this. You should have taught him that when he was, you know, 18 to 24 months old. 
And she was having this moment of who tells you that you're supposed to teach them those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's talking about sleeping also when he was a baby, because, you know, they say, don't let them sleep on their stomach and all that. And now I stay up all night long because Eden has started flipping over onto her stomach. And that's what I was telling her. And she said her son had like acid reflux so bad that she was worried he would choke. So from day one, she had him, you know, sleeping on his stomach and he was always a good sleeper. He's four now. They didn't have any problems with it. My mom said, you know, when we were babies, they thought that's what you did. Um, I know it does lower the risk of SIDS. It's safer if they're on their back, but I mean, my niece sleeps literally face down, like her nose is matched to the mattress and you can't move her. Like if you want to sleep, you have to just let her sleep that way. Um, but that's something I worry about that so much. And I know everybody says if they're old enough to turn themselves over, like they're okay sleeping that way. But I guess it, and it's part of the fear-based culture. Like, well, when does it switch from, oh my gosh, never let your baby sleep on their stomach to, oh, well, if they did it, it's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, there's a fear-based, like we're telling you this and this and this and this. Oh, but if they do it, it's fine. Like, well, which one is it? You know what? I mean, think about all of the mattress options that they have out there for cribs now. They're all focused on, quote unquote, reducing SIDS and making sure that they're breathable mattresses and everything. And yes, that's great. There's something to it. But also, it just creates so much fear around um, if your baby happens to be a tummy sleeper. I'm, I've always like been one of those people that wanted to sleep on my stomach. Now with Ava, I don't because I kind of curl around her. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, there's so many, I don't want to say unnecessary fears, <laughs> but basically unnecessary fears and things that people don't tell you. Like you were mentioning, um, I remember, so when I first had Ava, I was setting my alarm and waking up every two hours to feed her at night. And I didn't know when you were supposed to stop. I thought like, oh, okay, this is why people say that they never sleep when they have babies. Okay. I guess I'm waking up every two hours as long as I breastfeed. And then one of my girlfriends who is a lactation consultant in an RN in a hospital Um, She's one of my friends from high school and she sent me a message on Instagram and she was like, dude, (laughs) if your baby made weight, like is back at her birth weight by her uh, two week appointment, then you don't have to wake up to feed her anymore. Like if she sleeps, just keep sleeping. And I was like, like you said, I was like, why does no one tell you this? Like they should have told me that who is supposed to, I don't know, but Frankly, that's why we have this podcast because no one tells you anything. (laughs) (laughs) It's our job now. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So one last thing that drove me absolutely nuts when I was pregnant was this whole bounce back culture. And Y'all, let me tell you, we've already gone through this on previous episodes, but that is a myth. And 
I vividly remember someone telling me like, oh, don't worry. And this was while I was pregnant. She was like, don't worry. You work out a lot. So I'm sure you're going to bounce back really quickly. And I remember being like, okay. Um, like it almost set this expectation for myself that like, oh, wow. Okay. People expect me to bounce back really fast and to be like a little skinny mini, you know, six weeks after I have a baby. And that, as we all know, was not the case. It took about 10 months to get anywhere close to what I was before. Um, yeah. I hate that bounce back culture. Um, yeah, a couple of things about that. It's always people that don't have kids (laughs) are worried about how well you're going to recover from having kids. Yes. (laughs) Like it's even them projecting their own fears onto you about how quick are you going to be back to work? How quick are you going to look good again? How quick are you going to be spitting in your jeans? You know, how quick are you going to be sleeping all night long? And it's always the people that don't have kids that seem to have a lot to say about that. Um, And I feel like on some level, it's just rude. I mean, (laughs) what if I didn't lose my baby weight? You know, what if I stayed exercise for the rest of my life? Yes. You want to say something to me then? And by the way, that's completely normal. Right. (laughs) Right. Like your body just made a person. That is (laughs) wild. And let me tell you like, okay. So when Ava was probably about six or seven months, um, she, I kind of started losing a little bit of my mom pooch, you know, on my tummy, it started to kind of like disappear a little bit. I mean, it's still there a little, but you know, previous to that, I had like definitely a mom pooch and Ava would need it with her hands while I was nursing her. And I actually loved it so much. I loved being able to be like a source of comfort for her. And it was like a comfort thing for her. And I loved it. And so I actually took a video of her doing it because I was like, oh, this is so sweet. And I felt like mentally, wow, I have come a long way in my (laughs) body positivity (laughs) for me to like feel very attached to my mom pooch. (laughs) And now that, you know, it's not as big as it was before. And it actually kind of makes me sad because she doesn't like need it with her hands anymore. And I was like, oh, she doesn't need my mom pooch anymore. (laughs) I read somewhere it was the breakdown of, uh, if you're 20, bounce back, fine, whatever. In your thirties, I think it was when it's all said and done. It's a crawl back. I was going but yeah um (laughs) that most women they just don't lose the five extra pounds if they're in their 30s and then if you're in your 40s it goes up to 10 um again that's perception 
That's how much you work out. That's what you want to do. But that's also okay. Um, well, and isn't that kind of very frequently how it goes anyway, whether you have a baby or not? <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, well, she, that's, it's just a rude thing to say to somebody. Like, you're not telling people that aren't pregnant, like, oh, you're 40, you'll bounce back. Oh. You know? Girl, amen. How much trouble would you be in? Like if you're at dinner with your girlfriends for somebody's 40th birthday and you're like, oh, it's okay. You'll bounce back quickly. (laughs) (laughs) Or it's okay if you gain 10, it's fine. We still care about you. No, it's rude. Let's just like stop talking about each other's bodies, whether (laughs) we're pregnant or not. And it's just because someone's pregnant doesn't give you like, free reign to say anything you want about their body it's really bizarre like t- don't touch it don't touch oh, it oh really I I liked it when people touched my belly I think you at least like know it's coming yeah yeah that's a fact yep. yeah you need a little bit of a warning when someone's going to be groping you <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just remember so it was my neighborhood my old neighborhood we have a girl that is an inappropriate toucher um mm-hmm. she was before I was pregnant everyone knows this about her that's just what she does that's just what she does but one day I had on um a jumpsuit that kind of crossed over in the front mm-hmm. um and I was just out walking around the block and she saw me and she was like oh can I touch your belly and so I was gonna I knew like it was gonna happen so I said yes okay she didn't like touch my belly. She stuck her hand in between the fabric. No. And like rubbed my belly. (laughs) Like her hand was touching my skin and I'm still just like, that was so weird. (laughs) I am speechless. I wouldn't even know what to do. Oh, you don't. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I mean, she just stuck her hand right in between the little like layover flat part, just right onto my skin of my belly. And I felt like I just told her she could touch my belly. (laughs) That's insane. (laughs) Yikes. Other time I had um, a man at the grocery store ask, are you having like a, a stranger that was a man a stranger that was me can no. he touch me and I was like no no and he kept then proceeded to make it weirder and he was like it's okay I'm a grandpa okay but you're not grandpa my can be perverts too right <laughs> and so you're not my grandpa so you're not gonna touch me you know <laughs> back away from me man at Kroger that I don't know <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't think I ever had anybody that I didn't know touch my belly. (laughs) And I was a little sad. I think it's because it was, you know, it was like all pandemic-y and whatever. So there was just, yeah, I was actually kind of sad that I didn't get to be out and about in public while I was pregnant because there was only one time where I felt like 
strangers treated me like I was like, Ooh, the pregnant lady that gets to skip a line. I was waiting in a line at the bathroom at the Arboretum. And there were like five people in front of me. And I was, I think it was like a few days before I gave birth. So I'm huge. Right. And they were all like, Oh, we need to let her go. And I was like, yes. Thank you. <laughs> and that was the only time that I felt like I got like, you know, a little bit of priority because I was pregnant, but I was like, dang it. And this pandemic really robbed me of some of those fun really pregnancy did. perks. Other thing, um, in the mom myth, you do, there are those moments that you're definitely like the queen, the queen of the grocery store or wherever you are. If you're pregnant, people will do anything for you. Use that to your advantage. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Definitely. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, we have another episode to record this week. So we're going to get going because um, Christy is going to be doing an episode all about um, postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety and all the things that encompass that. So we have some specialists, um, some, not like some lady I found on the street, some as in more than <laughs> one, Two, <laughs> I guess I should say specialists coming on to talk to us, um, on our next episode that have created a center for moms with postpartum depression and postpartum anxiety. And they talk about how it trickles down through the family, which is something that we don't talk about a lot. So we can have this episode and we can sit here and talk about hot mess mom culture, bounce back culture, just you wait culture. And we fail to recognize that the men in this situation are going through the same things too. Um, but they don't have the outlets to talk about. And as much as we say, nobody told us, or, you know, we didn't have anybody to talk about that with, they really don't. Mm -hmm. So ladies have created a center for postpartum anxiety and depression. Um, that's for the whole family. Um, and it's for everybody, how that works together. Uh, so I am excited about that episode. I think it'll be a really, really, really good one. Yeah, me too. So excited. So meet us back here next Thursday and we'll see you then. Bye-bye. That's our cue to go. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Old Moms Club Podcast and join our Old Moms Club Podcast page on Facebook. <laughs>